So how many feel at times that you're just getting chewed up and spit out sometimes by life? Sometimes you just ever get the feeling that something, now hopefully it's, we're not paranoid schizophrenics, but you ever get the feeling sometimes that something's out to get you? Do you just feel that way sometimes? Just, there's this darkness, there's just things aren't going the right, you're like, what is going on? What is going on? Well, this morning's title is called How Not to Get Eaten by Lions. Some of us might, might feel like we've gone through life and all of a sudden you're going along and a lion jumps out of the bush and just attacks you. Anyone had that feeling? Yeah. Or you're walking along, you're going through life, and you just, things aren't going, and you just feel like, ugh, you just feel like there's eyes staring at you, and you can just, you're like, there's something pacing ready to get you. Probably have felt that before in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. Peter says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. These demonic powers They prowl around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him, and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. We we experience the enemy, we experience those lions of life, supernatural, some natural, that want to disrupt, want to destroy, and devour the good things that God has put in this world. We see from Genesis' account that God created everything and it is good. And then we see that, that Satan doesn't like that. He doesn't like that God created us. He doesn't like us. And so he, sin came into the world, deception came into the world, and, and the enemy is trying to, there's forces trying to destroy all that is good, all that is holy, all that is beautiful, and bring devastation, bring chaos and destruction. And every single one of us, in one capacity or another, we have experienced that result of sin in this world in our lives. Amen? Maybe there's times in our lives where we have even been the teeth of the lion, and we have helped destroy or hurt other people. We don't like to think of it that way, but it's true. And so this morning, I felt like the, and we've got the kids with us one more week here. We're painting, getting downstairs, Pastor uh, Kathy's getting the kids area all ready uh, for next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday is Back to Church Sunday, and so encourage all of your friends, all your family, all your church family you haven't seen in a while, encourage them to get to church, get to let's come together, let's huddle up and get ready to really launch into this year and the things God's calling us to. Um, so we've got that coming up. So kids, how many of you know the story of da- or Daniel in the lion's den? So you've heard that? Now a few of us adults, we've heard that story. Now here's the, here's the fun thing. Sometimes we hear that story and we think we know everything there is to know about that story. Well today, we're going to be re-looking at this, at this story that sometimes we think is a kid's story. It's really not. It's actually probably technically an R-rated story that we tell kids. Um, thanks, Pastor Kathy. Um, 
But we're going to get into it this morning, and we're going to look at some things maybe we haven't quite seen before that's in this text. And so how to not get eaten by lions, and, and, and the, we're gonna, our premise this morning is the way we do this is the power of consistency. So if you're taking notes, how do we not get eaten by lions? It's the power of consistency. And we're going to unpack that here. So in Daniel chapter 6, so just to set the tone here, there's, there's this young man by the name of Daniel. Uh, he and a group of other young men were, were part of a group of slaves that were taken away from uh, Jewish people that were taken away out of their homeland out of, by the Babylonians. And this whole, you imagine an entire nation, which they'd happened to them before, are taken away as slaves to a foreign land. And they took, they looked among them, and they picked some of the youngest, uh, brightest, best-looking young men that they could think of to, to serve as servants in their upper parts of their society. They would integrate the best of every uh, culture that they would conquer and, and put them in positions within their, within their society. So Daniel was one of these young men, one of these uh, young eunuchs, actually, so that, that uh, didn't go well for him. But uh, besides that part, besides that part, um, he was put in a position of influence and leadership. And he began to get the attention of this guy named Darius. Darius was like a governor underneath, um, underneath this Babylonian slash Persian rule. And Daniel was one of his, uh, I don't know, administrative assistants, whatever we call it today. He was kind of his right-hand person. So that sets the tone for who Daniel is. And Daniel was, he loved God. He did not forget the God that he served. And he was very open and consistent in his faith. So verse, verse 1 of chapter 6. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. So they're kind of like making states or governances. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect the king's interests. So so they put these governors in place, and this guy's actually put Daniel underneath him to oversee the governors. How cool is that? So Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault. So these people are starting to get jealous. He's, he's growing. Um, so in verse uh, uh, 4 here, we see the people are starting to get jealous. They hate the fact that this guy is doing so well. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him about. So in verse 4 here, there's a couple things I want us to, to note that's in this passage. He being Daniel, he was faithful always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Those were the three characteristics of Daniel that set him apart, that kept him from from being at fault, kept him from being able to be criticized for his enemies, the people jealous to find any fault in him. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So they're like, man, this guy, he's such a goody two-shoe. Like, he's good at his job. He's, he's always trusted. It wasn't to say he was perfect, but he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. How many of you wish you had coworkers like that? All right? How many of you wish that was the norm in our society? 
Unfortunately, it's not. So even if, to, if put Daniel, Daniel would be doing really well in today's standards. And we know actually, though, that they weren't any different than we are back then. So, so one of the first ways that we can avoid being eaten by lions is the lions are often jealous. The lions often are, Satan is the great accuser. He's always trying to find fault with us. One of the ways we can avoid an attack from the lion, the devil, is to not give him reason to attack us. And that comes through the consistency of of being faithful, being responsible and trustworthy. Those are all things that we value others to to share to us. Those are things we we desire in a a partner, in a spouse. Those are things we desire from God that God gives us wholeheartedly and unconditionally. So if we are not faithful, responsible, and trustworthy in service to God and each other, this causes us to make mistakes that both the enemy can use to try and destroy us. There is hope if we do make mistakes. We'll get into that. But we ought to be consistent to be faithful, responsible, and trustworthy. So this is just part of the character of Daniel that we need to look at. See, so administrators and high officers went to the king and said, so they get this great plan. So I'm just going to paraphrase here a little bit. So they go to the king. And they say, look, um, so they get this scheme because they realize that the guys, they can't touch him. Same thing. Satan knows because we've been forgiven by Christ, because God has washed away our sins, he can't touch us. Satan will try to bring up in our minds, hey, you remember when you did this? Hey, you remember when you, when you screwed up on that? Yeah, you're horrible. And we're like, yeah, I am. Oh. And that lion's got his teeth into us. But we need to remember those, those attributes that Daniel was living. Those are godly attributes. Those are the attributes that God gave to him, and Daniel's living those out. And so when the enemy does that, we can say, yes, but I've been forgiven, and I've been made clean, and I am without fault now. And I am now choosing to follow Christ consistently and faithfully. Even if 10 minutes ago you weren't, take hold of what Christ has given you and live the next 10 minutes in trustworthiness, in faithfulness, and responsibility. Okay? So don't let the enemy keep us from that. So they go to the king, and they, they get this plan and say, hey, you know what, king? You are awesome. You are so good. These were the ultimate brown nosers here. They go to the king, and they're like, you know what? You, you deserve everyone. I tell you what, how about we do this? Everyone in the kingdom for 30 days. You deserve a whole month. For 30 days, No one's allowed to worship or pray to any God or other person except for you. Because you deserve it. King Darius, poor guy, he falls right into their trap. You know, they puff them up. And and let's be honest, a few of us, you know, we'd say now we wouldn't. But there's times in our lives, probably some of us would be like, yeah, I kind of like that. I could use a month. Yeah, give me a month of pampering. All right, yeah, let's bring it. Come on, bring it on. Let's do this. And so he says, all right, sure. And they're like, you know, let's make it a law. And so he, all right, he signs it into law. And one thing about the, the Babylonians and the Persian Empire is they were very good about law and order. When, they, when the king signed a law, it was it, was it. it was done. There was no questioning it. They, they were at least very orderly in that fashion. 
So they said, in verse 8, Now, your majesty, issue and sign into law so it cannot be changed. The official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, so let's put ourselves in Daniel's shoes. We're very consistent. We're trusted. We're responsible. We are, we are the epitome of what it means to follow God. Pure-hearted. And all of a sudden you realize the very person you serve, the very person you are, are, are lifting up, all of a sudden they have signed into law, this law that goes against everything you believe. And in fact, the part of this law, if we go back to verse 7, we are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced, give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. How do we respond to that? Daniel's got to be thinking, I'm... Risking getting eaten by lions. How many of you know, sometimes we we see the writing on the wall that we're about to face some lions. How many of you are facing lions right now? Facing some situations, facing some lions in our lives. What's our normal response? Let's say we're we're out on a safari somewhere, or you're just out walking down Main Street, and all of a sudden you look over and there's a lion. That's not normal. How would we respond to that? How do we normally respond to, to, to threats and of extreme danger? We run. We freak out, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago about um, in battle, you know, oftentimes when faced, we, we have freaker outers. Those are, ah, they run. And then you got the overly bold people are like, yeah, and they just run in and then they get killed. And then you have those that have been trained and prepared who prepare over and over again scenarios and possible situations so when it happens, they can act accordingly. We see this happening here. So this is how Daniel responds. This is one of our keys here for not uh, getting eaten by lions. He went home and knelt down as usual. He went home and knelt down as usual. He didn't... Okay, so he's... Normally, he doesn't get threatened by being fed to lions. How many of you... Hopefully, no one here has been threatened to be fed to lions. Um, So his response is he does what he normally does. There's a big clue there. So he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. So their houses, they often had an upper room, and that's where they'd kind of hang out, and there's windows that overlook. So he would go up there, and he probably had a nice pad because of his, of his uh, position. And so he'd open his windows. So let's continue verse 10 here. He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done giving thanks to his God. Verse 11, Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God for help. They knew because he was consistent what he would do. Daniel, because of his consistency, 
knew what to do when faced with this type of threat. Because Daniel knew that the God he consistently prayed and interacted and thanked on a daily basis, three times a day, was just as worthy on this day that he was facing death by these lions. He knew that the God he served today was just as capable of saving him today as the day before when he didn't have this threat. Second way we are to avoid being eaten by lions is we must be consistent. Daniel was trustworthy. He was responsible. He was faithful to God, and he did this consistently. How many of you, we, we, we do it in season sometimes. We get, we get moments like, man, I'm, ooh, me and Jesus, we are tight. And, and we're walking along, and we're like, yes, oh, I'm doing so good. Praise God, glory, woo. Got my Jesus shirts. Got my Jesus music. And then, generally, it's not even something that happens. It's just we become inconsistent. It's not that some great tragedy happens, all of a sudden we're like, well, God, we're mad at you. I mean, sometimes, but generally what happens is our daily consistency, our daily routine of, of communing with God gets interrupted because we allow life, we allow things in our life to break up our consistency, to break up our faithfulness, to break up our responsibility to God, and we become inconsistent in our prayer and our communing with God. And then as we become inconsistent, then we begin to drift. And it's not that God has left us, and I've said this who knows how many times, but and this happened in my life where I'm like, God, where are you? And God says, I'm right here. Where are you? We, we are the ones who drift away. God doesn't leave us. He doesn't hide himself from us. We, it's like with my kids, we'll be, at the, we'll be going downtown or going to the mall. and Right, kids? And what do we tell you when you start running down the sidewalk? Don't get too far ahead, right? Don't run around the corner where we can't see you. How many kids do your parents tell you that all the time? Do you just forget sometimes? Like you, it's, you just like going where you get so excited and you're going and then you forget and you get around the corner and you almost get run over by a car and then your mom yells at you. That happened to me. Actually, I wasn't around the corner. I was right in front of her. That's why, why she, my mom gave the most blood-curdling scream. She thought I was going to get run over. I stopped. Be consistent. So Daniel goes home. He prays as usual. As usual. Let's not wait till something happens to pray. We see that happening throughout the Old Testament with God's people. Is The reason they would mess up all the time is when things were good, they would stop praying. They would stop worshiping and praising God because things are good. We are blessed by God, glory, and we just truck on. Next thing we know, we forget why things are good. We forget why we are blessed. And sometimes we think things are good and we think we're, oh man, it's so good. We got the paycheck coming in and, and we've got the boat and we've got this and that and, we're, and our life is good. And all of a sudden we realize, no, it's not. It is empty and without God. And that pain of regret and, and confusion hits, and, 
And we're like, God, where are you? I thought we were blessed. I thought we were good here. And then when tragedy does hit, because we've been out of practice, because we've been out of, we haven't consistently been communing with God, what happens is we often don't know how or what to pray when conflict arises because we aren't praying and praising God at any other time. I can't tell you how many times I'm with somebody and there's a tough situation. They're like, I just don't even know how to pray right now. And I'm like, what do you normally pray? Well, I don't. I want to challenge us this morning. If we are consistently praying and listening and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us how to pray and reading God's Word and learning how to pray, even in the most difficult situations, we're going to be tuned in to the voice of God. We're going to be tuned in and we're going to know exactly what to pray because where God is going to tell us pray what I normally, usually have you pray. God is unchanging. Now we see that Daniel was very consistent three times a day. In fact, in Scripture, this is the only time in Scripture we see that a particular person had a set like three times a day, three specific times a day that they prayed. So it's not, don't feel like I'm saying you have to do that. If God's telling you to do that, you're not going to be wrong for it. It's going to be probably pretty awesome. But what we need to take from this is this consistency. This is what Daniel knew God was calling him to do. Daniel had a lot of stress. Do you think your job gives you stress? He was a slave put in position over the governors of the people who took his people away. You don't think he wasn't under the microscope? You don't think he didn't have, you know, reports that he had to do? His boss's punishment was a den of lions. That's stress. And so oftentimes when in our stressful lives and we're so busy trying to be successful and make it go in this life that we think, I don't, our big excuse. What's our number one excuse for not engaging with God through prayer, not coming together as the body of Christ? Boom, you guys are brilliant. No time. I'm, I'm so busy. I got, I got so much time. Daniel was overseeing multiple governors of multiple governances. Do you think he had a lot of time? He did not have a tablet to multitask, okay? He had some guy named Larry with a chisel and stone, like, making their little notes. He was like, can you chisel? You know, he didn't have, a, he didn't have an admin who could type, like, 100 words a minute. He was like, ding, 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 ding. Did you get that? Oh, I forgot the comma. Ding, 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 ding. That would be frustrating. You think he had time? So here's what I would suggest. Perhaps the busier we are, and I'm stepping on my own toes right now kicking myself in the rear, because I am as guilty of this as anyone else. And God's challenging me on this. This is probably why he's having me teach this. Is the busier we are, perhaps the more time we should take and give to God. Because the more the pull, the more the demand on us, the farther we are getting outside of our own capabilities. 
And perhaps the only way we're really going to be successful, the only way we're going to stay focused on what God is really calling us to, is if we take more time to plug in, allow God's presence to strengthen us, to give us wisdom, to give us discernment, to help us stay focused. Because the busier we are, the greater the level of responsibilities we have, the more we are pulled away from what God has for us. Good things, good things pull us away from what God has for us. As we look through the rest of Scripture, God had very specific plans and purposes for Daniel and his colleagues. So Daniel was staying focused on his purpose, what God had for him. So he was consistently in times of prayer. And what is prayer? It's talking to God and communicating. It's communicating with God. An important uh, aspect of communication. What's the most important part of communication, of having a conversation with somebody? Anyone have Listening! Anyone who's taken a communication class, you learn that the most important aspect of communication, the greatest way you will get your point across to someone else is not by talking, but actually by listening to them first. And so the greatest prayer, form of prayer we can have with God is not just talking to Him, but listening. They have like this, uh, what is it, the... Uh, 30-70 rule, like talk 30%, listen 70%. If that's good advice with people, that's great, incredible advice with God. I would much rather have God spending 70% of my time with him talking to me than me talking to him. So Daniel was doing this, say it with me, consistently. Okay. Kids, help us out here. These these adults haven't been in school for a long time. Say it with me, class. Consistently. Consistently. Awesome. Good job. Gold stars for everyone later. (laughs) The second thing we see here, so he was consistent. We just said part of it is he he was staying focused on God. and, And we see this. So he opens his windows. You ever wonder why some things are in the Bible? Like, why does it matter that he opened a window towards Jerusalem? He was focused on the hope and promises of God that the city of Jerusalem represented. They were taken away. They had they taken hold. It was a people God had promised them. God promised Abraham way back he'd make them a great people. He did that. And what happens? As a people, they all got enslaved by Egypt. And God said, I'm going to save you. And he did, and he led them out. And they, and they conquered this wild, crazy land that was like a Mad Max scene, and, and it began to prosper, and milk and honey, you know, all that good stuff flowed. And, and they had these, you know, we know the story of, of King David and, and King Solomon, and everything was great. And then they, as people, lost their consistency in serving God. And they drifted far from God, and, and they got to a position where now the lions of the world came and, and grabbed them and ripped them out of the promises that God had given them, ripped them away, and they're now in captivity again. But God promised them through their prophet, said, I am your Savior. 
I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. That promise still remains. God was saying, I will restore. I will make all things new again. And so that city of Jerusalem, which is a representation of what we are now as the body of Christ. Christ is that Savior who came. He restored. He restored God's people. He made it new. So he's, he's looking that city that he was looking at, that the direction of it, which was in, still in, in, in ruin yet. Uh, Nehemiah and, and uh, Ezra would come and help rebuild that. All contemporaries of Daniel. It was an exciting time. So he's opening up. So any pray, he's not looking at the situation. He's not looking like, oh, God, there's lions. He didn't open up. This is what happens. We're faced with lions coming at us in life, and we open up the window. We face that direction. We're like, God, that problem right there. You've got to fix it. That person, just smash them. Just do it. We're like, come on, God. And we get so focused on the problem that we forget there's a solution. We get so focused on the problem, we get so focused on the lions in our lives that we forget there is a Savior. We forget there is a promise. We forget we have hope. We already have it. We're not waiting for it. Daniel was looking to a hope yet to come. We have that hope right now. How cool is that? So when we open our windows, when we go to our place of prayer consistently, we're not saying, God, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. We're opening up our windows. We're opening up our doors, and we're thanking God, and we're praising him. I know it's already here. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are already the solution, the Savior to this problem. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you are. And the reason he was able to, to go and to pray that prayer of hope and give thanks to God is because he was doing it before consistently. So when that time came, he didn't freak out. He doesn't, wasn't focused on the wrong thing, praying the wrong prayers. Let's see how this ends. So they go straight to the king. They tell him, say, look, this guy Daniel, he's defying your order. Laws of the law. We don't change the law here. And the king, he begins to wrestle with it. He's, he didn't realize, like, this was not what he intended. He was like, oh, no, what have I done? Daniel was his best man. Daniel was his best servant. He realized, like, what am I going to do? So hearing this, verse 14, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, the king's there. Normally the kings would, you know, you, you don't handle the dirty work. He's there looking Daniel in the face, and he says this, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, so consistently, rescue you. Daniel's consistent faith was so powerful that it influenced this king. This king is now actually praying for Daniel. Consistent 
faithfulness to God and to each other in the body of Christ influences and changes the people around us. Verse 18, the king returned to his palace and spent... Also, verse 17, the stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. So they throw Daniel right into the lion's den. Boom. He's in there. They roll a stone over it. Takes his wax seal, puts it on there, says no one can open this until the deed is done. So the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep all that night. What's interesting is we see, if we go way back and we see the story when Daniel and some other guys are first picked, and they want to see who's the best of the best, the king brings out his normal food, has to eat from my table, and it was rich, it was fatty, it was sugary, it was the best of the best. They were given all of it. That's, that's how kings did it then. Daniel was the one who refrained from all of that. And he said, no, in this time of preparation, I'm just going to, I'm only going to eat certain things, and, and Daniel um, limited. And so what we, I think we see happening here is we see Daniel's influence on this king. He knows, he's watched. People watch our faithfulness or our lack thereof to God. And so they're going to take, the world around us may not yet know Christ, but they're going to take their cues from us. We're to be discipling people, not just in words, but with our lives. So the king returned to his place. He refused entertainment, could not sleep all night. Faith begets faith, hope begets hope, action begets action. Then verse 19, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. I love this. He didn't send someone else to go do this for him. He hurried out there. There was this spark of faith that Daniel had planted inside this king. So he runs out there. He has to see for himself if God came through. He gets there and he calls out in anguish. There's this desperation. He, he wants desperately for Daniel's God to be real. He wants desperately for that faithfulness that Daniel has lived out to be true because he knows he needs it. The world around us is in anguish and desperate for a people of God to be faithful, to be consistent, so that they can see a God who is real and can work in their situation as well. Daniel, servant of the living God, he cries out, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I had been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. When we do what is right by God and others, God will shut the the mouths of the lions. When we are faithful to God, and most of us, I think, can even attest to there are times even when we haven't been faithful. God has been faithful to us, and he has still spared us from the mouths of the lions. Some of us, we, we took us a little bit longer. Daniel trusted and was faithful to God before he went into the lion's den. 
That's the best way to live and to do this. Some of us learn the hard way, and we wait not even when we've been thrown into the lion's den. We wait until the lion's like sinking its teeth into our neck before we finally go, okay, God, I'm going to be faithful. Even in that moment, God is faithful. And he pulls those venom, he pulls those fangs of the enemy out of us, restores us, heals us, and he shuts the mouths of the lions. 23, I love this. The king was overjoyed. In order that Daniel be lifted from the den, not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Trust in God. He shuts the mouths of the lions. The next part earns us the R rating. The king was not happy that he had been cheated, that he had been, that these evil people had done this, so he orders them and their entire families thrown into the lion's den. And these rulers and these families that were the ones that were conspiring were against Daniel, they didn't even hit the stone floor. It says, the lions devoured them as they fell. Yuck. Kids, do you want to be eaten by lions? No, No, it's not a good thing. After this, King Darius sent his message, this message out to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. They were the major controlling empire at that time. And so he sends this out. This is a pretty big message. So this man who used to not believe in Daniel's God is now being almost a prophetic voice because of Daniel. So then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. And if you're looking at a verse, you're facing lions this this season of your life. Um, Chapter 26, Daniel chapter 6 here. Some of you need to read this. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel. And if you need to, write your name beside there. From the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. 